I whenever I see a game played at Missouri, it just looks something seems weird. Their stadium is it's high schooly. Yes, and I didn't want to say that as like a disparaging thing, but it's it's very high schooly. They no, have it's like, like Texas high school. Yes, like, yes, big time yeah. Texas high school football. Forty thousand foot, like two sided, you know, forty thousand seat two sided stadium. Yeah, and then just like the most brilliant fake turf, like field turf situation going on. What we do here is go back, 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 back. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wheel Route Podcast, mildly legitimate conversation amongst friends. We talk about college football and lifestyle. You can find us at the internet uh, when the internet is working at www.thewheelroute.com. We are at the Wheel Route on Twitter. Wheelroutepodcast at gmail.com is the uh, email address. And you can find us uh, via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcast Center, Stitcher. Um, and we're also Will Rob Podcast on Instagram if you're interested in seeing some old content there. My name is Logan Whitehouse. I am coming to you guys from Stewart, Florida. I'm on Twitter, at on the Dawn. Uh, beautiful day here in Stewart. Hit the links, took a nap. Now I'm talking with my bros. All before all before 5.18 p.m. It's been a productive day so far. Who else is here? Still got half a day left. My name is Jordan Shank. I am in Harrisonburg, Virginia, where we had a nice, <clears throat> lovely, rainy day. Perfect napping weather. Mm. Uh, I'm on Twitter.com, at Shank Jordan. Very nervous, sweaty for Game 6 of the NBA Finals tonight. Uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes. What are, you, uh, what, what are you nervous about? Well, I mean, just like Anthony Davis continues to be made of glass and... Oh. The Lakers wasted one of the all-time LeBron James Finals performances in Game Five. True, he he's probably going to be a bit uh, fatigued. Um, so yeah, we'll see. It would be a shame if the Lakers had to deal with injury problems. That would really be tough. I would hate to see that for a team in the finals. Yeah, it would be. You, you want everybody out there, you know? <laughs> Same, for sure, hundred percent. True, including including Croatian point guards. Right. Yeah. Let's get all the boys out. <coughs> yeah. Bless you. Salud. Who's that? Who's that hacking on the other end of the line? Sorry. Great use of the cough button. It's Love not, it. It's not COVID. Whew, it's not. I literally had, like I could feel something go down the wrong pipe. It was bad. I could tell it's a wet cough. <clears throat> My name is Jason Crick. I am in the friendly city of Harrisonburg, Virginia. Um, as well, I tweet things at Jason Crick. Um, when I'm feeling feisty, uh, it was, it's been, it's steady rain in Harrisonburg today. Just, mm. uh, just a lot of drizzle, a lot of drizzle. Do you guys need rain? Are, are people saying that? Are people saying you needed it? I think people say that constantly with no impact on what has come in the last month. Like that is correct. Yeah, I feel yeah, like we, we could still use rain. Like, yeah, I mean, and, and to be fair, like, you know, there's a lot of farms around Harrisonburg. They pretty much always need rain. But, like, I feel like my, for the first 30 years of my life, it's just been – we could have had a monsoon two weeks ago. Ah, oh, good. It's about to – I was wondering if it was ever going to rain again. I don't know. We need it. We need it. <laughs> yeah, I think okay. right now we're in the situation where it's, like, 
when someone asks you, are you hungry? And you're like, well, I could eat. It's like, yeah, well, we could use rain. Yeah, we could use rain. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I like that uh, metaphor. I'm on board with it. Sign and co-sign. We, um, we, uh, we, we, we could not use it right now. So no. I will be the first to, to change up the narrative there, Jason. And say I, pre- that I appreciate that the state, we do not need it. The state yeah. where the ground is made of rain. Uh, we are all set rain. on rain for a while. I think we get like 40 something inches of rain a year or something crazy. So were you just plugging darts on the greens today then with as uh, soft as the conditions must have been? Just they <laughs> actually, they, um, they were soft, but they did a, they had cut them really short. So they were actually rolling a lot, um, quicker than you would have thought given it actually rained last night too it was it was wet this morning um conditions was, were really tough out there it was, huh? it was well the conditions weren't that tough the it was, guys i'm gonna tell you skinny it was skinny out there not a whole lot of wiggle room for the old the old shankopotamus to uh to really do his thing you know i like to i like to sort of embrace all of the, the angles on the golf course and give myself like a really good opportunity to attack sort of from the sides yes usually um, no ladies entrance for me when it comes to, uh, when it comes <laughs> rolling, rolling them up there. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it was fun. Had a blast. So it's, it was good to be out there. Played what, exactly. What was the name ball. of the course you played? Uh, it was Palm, Palm Cove, uh, Yacht and Country Club, I believe. Golf, okay. golf, golf, and, and, yacht club. golf and Country Club. Uh, I believe it's, it's Palm Grove, Palm Cove, Golf and Yacht Club. Golf and Yacht Club. Yeah. Yeah. It. Uh, I don't know, Jason. If you wanna, if you wanna check out the reviews, but um, I heard it was a Chichi Rodriguez course. It is very tight. I mean, it, it was like a lot of interesting holes. There's a couple uh, like holes that had the like uh, just. The, I think they played with some nice like optical illusions out there too, give you the like illusion that you didn't have a lot of space when maybe you had some more space. But like mm-hmm. you have to really like crush a drive through this like little tunnel and then it opens way out and you of course are just freaking out the whole time shank it like dead right but um yeah i lost a lot of golf balls played uh hit some hit some good shots um i hit the i like my new, my new clubs are nice when i when i hit them but i'm just it's it's been different learning learning to hit them they sit differently so sure. we'll get there we'll get there like the, the, the third we'll sentence there. of the about us is Water is the main culprit here when it comes to lost balls and high scores, but ignoring the plentiful large bunkers will really test your skills. <laughs> well, yeah, great. I is there actually are there fairways anywhere here? Or yeah, I, I I would also contend that the like large villa homes, like six inches <laughs> off the OB line, also contribute to a lot of lost balls. Like everybody has. There's, it's a nice neighborhood back in there, and everybody's got you, you know. I mean, you guys have played like Lakeview, like you could legitimately roll one right up someone's you know back porch there too. But it's yeah. it's like that just the whole way through. And um, I mean, if you really get a hold of one, uh, the, the card looks like a good um, a good place to to get your stick back. Um, the tips are only sixty three hundred, so yeah, it's not long. Yeah. There's only like maybe two holes where you would really want to hit driver. Yeah. But um, they certainly make up for it in other ways. But yeah. anyhow, a lot of fun. Love, yeah. love the beautiful game. Get Good to have you back. Out there. Yeah, drank a couple mango carts. Uh, the first hole also must have looked dead east because we were going off at like 8.13 a.m. and everything was wet and it was like looking into the surface of the sun. I mean, it was <laughs> the glare was out of control. So 
I have that, to uh, that first green is very horizontal as well. That's not deep. <laughs> well, some of those ones where it's like, we all go off and everyone's like, all right, let's go see what happened. Like, yeah. like we have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> just all three guys. But so we're all hidden from the 150 stake? Or are we, what are we doing? Yeah. Let's see. What were you playing? I don't know. All right, good. All right, well, we'll see. So anyhow, good times. What are you guys, are you guys drinking? It's uh, it's early afternoon, an early afternoon recording in the wheel now. Yeah, Sunday fun day, brother. Um, you know it. I'm I'm working on a Moscow Mule that I poured Ooh. myself up. Uh, the vodka is Tito's, the ginger beer is Krabby's, and wow. got got a splash of two crushed lime wedges in there. Oh, you, you going? Uh, you got a copper mug? No, I've just got the uh, the Young Life JMU Mason jar. <laughs> yes. it's like I, I often drink out of the Young Life uh, yeah. JMU apparel. You don't like sterilize a penny and just drop a penny in there so you can get a little copper flavor. No, there's a coin shortage, Logan. You, God, you, you can't don't have just any be acting all willing. <laughs> you value your country like for that. once, Logan. <laughs> Jason, please tell us what exciting beverage you've un- unearthed from the fridge. I, I did, in fact, find a Yingling Tallboy in the door. <laughs> yes, I knew it. That uh, I don't know where it's from. I think it's from a golf trip like three weeks ago. I don't think it's too terrible, but. It okay. tastes fine, so we're good. We're rolling with it. Things yeah. are great. Sometimes Yingling it's best the, not the to links. check the dates. Yeah. Yingling seems a little heavy for the links. Um, it can be. I think. Uh, I I think these were uh, free ninety nine. So. Oh, all right, you're I'll good with it. <laughs> Understood. Uh, I, whenever anybody uh, asks me, whenever we go, I go play golf with somebody new, and they ask me what I like to drink, I just say cold, and so. Okay, cold and yeah. free. That works. Uh, I am working with an Elysian Contact Haze, Hazy mm. IPA. So, picked up a little six spot of those. I did have there's this beer. I forget what the brewery is, but it's called Mango Cart that they uh, they've been selling around here. It's like a, a yellow box. It's a mango wheat beer. Which listen, guys, if it is if you've just been say cutting the grass or clanging and banging or just sitting on the beach and you pop one of these bad boys open, it is on par with like Gatorade is in far of, as far as it goes, like just absolute refreshing chug ability. Really good. I had, uh, I had one or two of those bad boys. That is like, from uh, golden road brewery mm-hmm. in Los Angeles. That's right. It's really good, but it's like entirely, I don't want to say too drinkable cause that's a silly thing to say, but <laughs> you can kind of like drinkable. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, yeah. I don't know if you guys mix with the truly lemonades or anything like that, that on par with that, it's just like, all right, well, I'm going to go ahead and just, you know, I might drink 11 of these. This could, could get problematic. Thank you. A little sideways. <laughs> They're acting a lot of pocket, but I'll be refreshed. Very refreshed the whole time. Yes. <clears throat> Which is the key. Uh, all right, boys. How's the weekend been? You guys taking some football yesterday? Did it rain yesterday too? Uh, uh, it was Remember, actually. I think it was pretty nice yesterday. Yeah, it didn't rain, but I did watch a fair amount of football. Yeah, <laughs> Jordan and I are both confused because we watched a lot of football. <laughs> yeah, I think it was nice yesterday. Yeah, I noticed Jason. The Twitter was engaged. I could tell you were taking in lots of games because you were I was. I was. I'm making making up for lost time. Changing uh, changing the the construction of some of the tweets too, which is good. I didn't see too many fawning. Uh, you know, Sam Howell. I know. I, I realized I, I wasn't as as nice as I usually am, so you were okay <laughs> with it. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, Jason. That's what it is. We just hate how nice you are. I know. That's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a that's a that's called spin. I like that. Yeah, hey, you're welcome. Um, very good. I watched the noon slate of games for the most part. Uh, friend, friend of the podcast, Mike Redmond, had us over. We watched some games there. He's got a nice little outdoor TV situation set up. 
fair number of big screen opportunities and and throughout the residence so that was good to see the Gator Sluice in stunning high definition with uh, surrounded by friends and loved ones. Um, but uh, yeah, good times all around. I, I kind of caught up with a lot of games after I played golf this morning. Uh, I watched, I think, almost all of the games on our list, though. So good I think on we're. You. I think I think we're I think we're good. I, I provided some minor minor uh, observations for each one, but let's get into it. Wait, right away. Before before we get into it, I do have yeah. a couple of weekend uh, happenings I'd like to get off my chest. Oh please, please uh, yes. fire so away. We first we've got a sports card aisle update as, as oh. promised in a previous episode. Uh, on the hunt for NFL cards once again this week. Uh, got to the Walmart when the vendor did. He came out with the boxes. Uh, there's about three of us waiting. So we're thinking, okay, like this is a smaller crowd. There should be a lot of this stuff. We, right. we may be sitting pretty here, boys. Uh, he, he gets the boxes out and they have already been opened and <laughs> he, he gets, starts taking stuff out and he pulls, pulls out only one display of the football stuff and the saran wrap has been sliced through and Whoa. stuff is missing. So he calls the manager over, goes off at the manager, says, we told you about this last week. It happened again. You got There's someone, a rat. You got There's a rat amongst stealing us. product from your back room. <clears throat> so this is all very exciting. Um, we we did each get a couple of like little mini boxes, which was, you know, it's. It, I guess it's good that the thief left some and didn't right. just clear it all out, but uh, could have been a lot better. So we'll see. We'll keep an eye on the situation. We'll keep the listeners posted. Uh, you know, we do this for the people. Um, the second sure. happening that took place this weekend. Uh, each year, the Harrisonburg Downtown Renaissance or whatever that foundation is, they do the Friendly City Raffle, uh, which raises money for the downtown kind of rejuvenation uh econ economic stimulation type stuff <clears throat> they sell these raffle tickets prizes this are awesome famous, this is the famed raffle in which they give away like big time prizes right yeah like cars or like ten thousand yeah, right. dollars like the i i think the lowest prize you can win is a thousand dollars cash um, wow so they got that? drawings all throughout the day uh the drawings took place yesterday. That would be Saturday, October 10th. Um, so at the end of the day, after I was done watching games, went on the website, started scrolling through prizes, and saw that one of the winning tickets for a thousand bucks was ticket number whatever. And they gave first initial last name, Jay Shank. So I'm thinking, like, this is awesome. Like, I, oh, I finally no, won something like, <laughs> right, right, let's right. get this bread. <laughs> so I, just to confirm, I like looked at the ticket numbers, went back to my email where I bought the tickets. The ticket numbers did not match. <clears throat> I had no email telling me that I won. So some, some other Jay Shank bought tickets uh. in this raffle and, and won the prize. So I, I went on a real emotional roller coaster there at about 1130 <laughs> last sorry. night. I'm really and, sorry. Uh, yeah. But, you know, we just take it all in stride. Right. Yep. You can only just keep chopping. No losses, only lessons. 
brick by brick. Uh, sorry to hear that. Jason, did you purchase any raffle tickets in the Harrisonburg Renaissance raffle giveaway? I didn't, no. No, I didn't. I, some uh, some previous results have left me uh, without a lot. I, with, without feeling, <laughs> Jason, it's a very good thing, and everybody should do it, and downtown Renaissance needs it. And yeah. but, uh, there's, there's a lot of pain there in my past. So sure. Understood. Understood. Um, Jordan, I did come across a new raffle making its way around the fly fishing, uh, the fly fishing world in which there's a, um, a Hell's Bay skiff being raffled off a $50 ticket. Okay. For the cap- it's like the Captains for Clean Water Orvis Hell's Bay like uh, pro skiff. It is bad to the bone. All right. I'm, I'm excited you. for you to win that. Yeah, as am I. So I'm thinking about maybe just doing it and buying a ticket. It supports Captains for Clean Water, too. Just like, you know, I'm right. about about it. You know I'm about it. So uh, I kind of uh, could probably justify that one. There's another, like, quasi-political environmental, the Coastal Conservation Association in uh, Florida CCA. They do every year, like, a legendary raffle. And they actually raffle off. They're a big, a big outfit. They raffle off, like... A they have like a hundred dollar ticket and it's like a contender offshore boat and then Jeez. they have like a fifty dollar ticket and it's like a skiff um, like like uh, uh, some sort of maverick or pathfinder or something and then they have I think some smaller ones that like you can win like a motor an outboard motor <laughs> which is a very Florida prize to win yeah. but uh, I've thought about maybe jumping in on that one too but I don't know that I see eye to eye with their overall mission as far as how they're trying to. Uh, to do things so it's, it's tough you know you want to yeah. you want to win the boat but i also don't know if i if i want to play the game so sure yeah. all right uh but uh sorry to hear that jordan better luck next time but you know you got to keep shooting right yeah. don't let this stun you don't pull you the miss, jason miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take right <laughs> all right as a reminder we did do and has not yet been released some uh some preliminary bachelorette content this week so that will be hitting your hitting your feeds at some point this week before the first episode of clear season starts uh what tuesday is that tuesday yeah so if if the finals wraps up tonight then the first episode airs tuesday night uh regardless of what happens we're planning on dropping our draft episode either monday night or tuesday morning okay um let us get to football then it was a i am hard pressed to find like uh to remember a more pointsy exuberant day of college football i think uh we were there was chaos in every direction it was we felt fully back the noon time slot was pretty packed bled right into a 330 time slot that was all right and then the night games got a little got a got a little wonky as well so definitely had a good time yeah i had a great time and guys i gotta say like i don't want to sound like a softy here but i really am kind of enjoying all these night games being done by 11 oh my god yes and not like pressuring myself to stay up for pac-12 after dark because as fun as that can get man it just it beats the heck out of you especially when you got like an eight o'clock wake up for, for church the next morning. Cause you're mm-hmm. serving children's ministry, but uh, <laughs> right. You know, I no no hard feelings anywhere. It's, bad beast the way life goes. You know, pound of coffee. Right. But, uh, yeah, no, definitely fun. So let's 
hop into it. Some games of note. If you guys got anything else you want to say, as per usual, jump right in. But we'll start on Thursday night. Tulane played Houston. I'll be honest, did not watch any of this. But Tulane lost. Houston won. It was, I believe, 48-31 was the final, something like that. 49, but yes. 49-31. No field goals for Houston. All all tugs. All tutters only. Um, Tugs. 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 Aaron Rodgers calls them tugs. 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 I think that's a good name. I think it's a good name for for, for TDs. Feels weird. A couple of tugs. Just a couple of tugs. Um so yeah, we'll move on from that. Florida State. Uh, I, will, I will point out that Houston might be super good. They turned the ball over five times. Oof. Well, they were That's down 40, big 49. early. I remember. They were down twenty-four seven early in the second quarter. Yeah. And then scored twenty-one straight, and then another twenty-one straight it after that. Be nice to be able to rip off points like that. It goes to Derek King, you know. Still dancing around. To give away five possessions on turnovers and not get any back on defense is usually not easy. So they scored seven touchdowns is impressive. Well aware. Uh, Let's go to – we'll just whip through some games here that are on the list. Uh, Jordan, you want to go NC State, Virginia? That that game was on early-ish. Yeah. Let's let's just wade through the muck right away. Yeah. Let's let's do that, and then we'll we'll move through the others. But – I'm going to be honest, I didn't watch much of this as I was watching the Florida game with some Florida fans. We turned to this game, and like it appeared that there was like a film over this game, and I, the quarterback was wearing number 36 and just throwing ducks. And I was like, what? It just it was such a drop down just from like the way that the Texas A&M Florida game looked, mm-hmm. like color-wise and everything, that I was like, whoa, this is weird. Yeah. You, um, you can think what? both – the ACC network and uh, just Mother Nature in general for that. Yeah, it looked it looked experience. nasty. It looked like some nasty conditions there. What happened to the Hoos? They were down twenty four nothing. Yeah, uh, once again, slow start out of the gate for both sides of the ball, uh, which never never want to see that. Most coaches will tell you that's not the ideal way to come out the gates. Right. Um, this has been a theme. Over the course of the season for Virginia so far, they have been outscored 35-0 to zero in first quarters through three games. Um, oh. Offense, once again, struggled to find a rhythm. Uh, defense, I mean, I guess defense held a little bit-ish. They got it together maybe more in the second half. Uh, the offense really did not. Um, Brennan Armstrong, again, struggled to find a rhythm. Uh, he was ultimately uh, removed from the game due to what I'm guessing was a concussion. Uh, he mm. got his bell rung on a late hit out of bounds uh, on a scramble in the second quarter. Uh, Lindell Stone, real stout boy uh, from yeah. Woodbury Forest. Does I, not have a tremendous quarterback like rig. But no, he uh, is not not sure what what he's listed at height wise but they they quoted him at 240 pounds uh on the scale he wow. he is a stout young man uh he came in and they kind of abandoned the run attack a little bit which was understandable cuz you're down 17 nothing 24 nothing at that point um right. i think he threw it like 50 times and he came in he all over. I mean, he was the second quarter. His throwing motion is very reminiscent of like a third baseman uh, 
who maybe doesn't have a great arm like he he mini crow hops into it and he's throwing it from about three quarters just trying Mm -hmm. to get it there uh so so not again not a lot of picturesque form in the uva (laughs) quarterback room this year wearing Um, number 36 all does the whole time mind you correct is jarring to see it's like are they running a trick play like every play just this guy is out here is he the punter like i don't know it's just weird yeah uh but yeah you so uva's first half possessions in order on offense went three and out interception by armstrong three and out uh they did march down the field and they were down 14 nothing at this point they went for it on fourth and goal from about the two and got stuffed uh next possession interception Next possession, three and out, Armstrong got hurt, and then Stone let him on a TD drive to end the half, or for their last possession of the half. So just just a real frustrating watch. There were a lot of uh, moments where I was doing the, the Taylor Twelman, like, what are we doing? What are we even doing here? Uh, right. Yelling at the screen. Um so, yeah, I think the the most frustrating thing probably from a UVA fan perspective is, like, you, you came away from that Clemson game feeling like, okay, like, this, this is a very capable program, very capable squad, and then to see them not build on it, not even maintain that level, and take a few steps back was pretty disappointing. So yeah. we will see how the rest of the year shakes out. I don't know how uh likely armstrong is to be ready for this upcoming weekend but we will keep an eye on it yeah yeah it's a shame it just seemed like a slow start uh my i was getting texts from uh, papa whitehouse was like yeah you probably need to step on the gas here a little bit and i was like oh <laughs> just check on this and then it was like oof seemed a little just a little slow um hard to overcome a bad start and then you know you try to get it close but by that point easy to kind of stretch out so uh sorry about it we'll move on we're on to who's next who's next for the who's uh on the road at wake forest to take on the claw fence okay there's another bizarre north carolina yeah and the early line is virginia's favored by two which absolutely stinks wouldn't wouldn't touch it with someone else's money All right, let's uh, keep it going here. We'll go next to. I think this was a these these are mostly night games, sort of from here on out. So let's go Florida State at Notre Dame. Um, I think we had this one pegged as sort of like oof, Florida State could get murdered. Uh, but they didn't. They did not get murdered. Uh, so the rare beam of light for Florida State. They actually were up early in this game. They were up like 14-10 or 17-14 or something along those lines. But, uh, yeah, Jordan Travis played uh, quarterback. There was no James Blackman in this game that I'm aware of. Um, They looked spunky. Their offense looked a little bit more organized. They had receivers open down the field, which, to be honest with you, has never been an issue for Florida State, getting receivers open down the field. Blackman tended to overthrow them or get sacked. Um, And that was – one of his issues along with just some poor decision-making underneath. So uh, Travis looked better. I'll, I'll say he was a little bit better throwing the ball from the, some of the plays, at least throwing the ball down the field that I saw. Then he appeared to be based on how they were using him like last week, where they kind of pulled him in and did a lot of running plays. And they do, I mean, they definitely do like a lot of like, uh, what would you say? 
running running quarterback forward play calling. Okay, but at the same time, um, he did a better job. Uh, but their defense could not really stop Notre Dame. Notre Dame scored a lot of points in this game. I think they scored thirty five in the first half. So most again, most coaches, most coaches will tell you not ideal. Did you guys catch any of this? Um, Notre Dame kind of eventually pulled away and and was up comfortably won this game. I believe they probably covered, uh, but I um, uh, yeah, it just it felt like you know Florida State kicked a field goal and then Notre Dame ran off back to back touchdowns and then it, it kind of now I wasn't watching very much. It was very sporadic in the early point, but it kind of felt like Notre right. Dame was. Kind of got back on their laurels. Like, okay, this is fine. And mm-hmm. and Florida State hit him quick twice in a row. They had a really short field for their first touchdown, and I forget what that was. Let me see if I can find it. Um, and then their second one, they scored on a, uh, like a 50-yard pass play. Right. Um, so. Yeah, I did see that uh, little bomb that Travis threw. To Marion Terry. Field. Yeah. yeah, and – and that was kind of like one of those cut-in highlights because I think I was either watching. Okay, it. so Florida State's first touchdown was a muffed punt, I believe. Mm. Love it. Uh, not not directly off the punt, but they recovered on like the nineteen or something like that. Um, so they got that, and then they got the the ball back and hit a bomb. Yeah. Um, and then I think from there on out, Notre Dame was like, "Oh, okay," and then just sat on them. Um, yeah, it looked like Notre Dame was able to gain uh, a lot of rushing yards. At least yeah. from what I saw, Florida State got pretty gashed on the ground. Um, no, again, I don't. I like. I think. I think this game seemed closer than it was because all of Twitter was laughing at it for like a good fifteen minutes there. Um, sure. Yeah. Rightfully so. Oh yeah. I, I think. I think Notre Dame ran away from my. You know, Florida State's bad, but they're not. You know, they're not. In, yeah. in they're not. In, so. Yeah, they're not un, untalented, and right. I would say that that's a good. Uh, I mean, to see a little more organization on offense and to see some progress is really. Yeah what you want to see when your team isn't very good, right? Yeah, and, uh, certainly they, they took a step forward, which it would have been yeah. tough to take a step backwards from where they were, but certainly step forward is a step forward. That all said, they look a little better, and maybe we'll have a little something to uh, to push some teams, at least with the run pass options at quarterback. So, yep. all right, let's move on to Alabama at Ole Miss. This game got weird. It got late, and, well, as late as these games go, as Jordan mentioned, it was lovely. We had, like, it felt like a late-night game experience, but it was – over at like ten, there's always uh, a, there's always a point with like two hours of day left in whatever the college football schedule is where things just like kind of get <laughs> surreal and like dreamlike and yeah, yeah, that's so true. For this one, it was like the middle of the third quarter. Yeah, so Ole Miss continues to be on a just torrid offensive run here. They look like a complete pain in the ass to play against. They yeah, run. It's insane. A, their temp, they the way that they use tempo and the little RPO game. Their quarterback is just athletic enough to kind of scoot around and do some things. He's also oh, completely he's also fe- for one play, and I got nine yards. Like that's all he needs. Oh, yeah. also completely fearless. And then they also have they have good receivers, and they get guys open down the field. So they they mix it up really well. I think it's a testament to Kiffin's ability to scheme up plays that attack like all levels of your defense, which is awesome. Like. Kudos to him. I do not want to play Ole Miss anytime in the next three years before that crashes and burns. <laughs> or, but or whatever disaster comes and, and whatever fiery mishap it ends in. But I mean, to on the same, you know, on the same token, Alabama 
cannot be stopped. Alabama has a unfortunate turnover on like uh, the, the running backs reaching for the goal line or, or I don't know. You can make the argument he had already been stopped when he fumbles in the first quarter. I think Alabama's looking to go up maybe by 14-plus at that point. It's, it could be a different game if they blow it absolutely wide open there, but Ole Miss gets the ball, comes back down the field, and you know, you're know you pretty much in a score-for-score, score, who's going to have the ball last kind of game uh, for the most part. And then I believe Alabama was able to uh, get up by 10 at some point, which kind of put it out of reach because Ole Miss wasn't stopping them. <laughs> and – uh, but this game was like 42-42 or something like that midway through the fourth quarter, which was yeah. weird to see. From there were uh, there were exactly three punts in this game. Ooh. I think that's one more than the Florida game. Yeah. That. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, so I think so. Like that's what's concerning is like this used to be the and, and this hasn't been true for for three four years probably. But like when Alabama was really a monster, this was the kind of game they couldn't win. Like they just didn't have, or they like refused to win. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they didn't have like when someone like finally forced them into a track meet, they couldn't do it. It's like like Johnny Manziel winning in Tuscaloosa was that, and stuff like that. Uh, oh yeah, where, where it's just Bo. like this is the what? Didn't didn't Doctor Bo take him down too? Almost right. himself. Exactly. So like it was. There were times when teams would be like, "Nope, this game's gonna get weird," and Alabama would just like sit in the corner and pout. Um, and then Nick Saban would be like, is this how we really want football to be? And everybody would say yes. And um, so it's the fact that they can, like, Alabama dropped 63 points and 740 yards on somebody. Like, that's that's a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, they racked up 400 passing yards and 300 rushing yards. <laughs> Najee Harris had five rushing touchdowns. Yeah. And – I, I really loved the points that were made on Twitter that, you know, Alabama, like you said, Jason, hung 63 on an opponent, went absolutely gangbusters on yep. both the pass and rush attack, and Nick Saban is going to be furiously mad and won't oh. be able to sleep all week because of how the game went. They're um, gonna I mean, they're going to be on the practice field at, like, probably 6 a.m. tomorrow, like, just drilling the crap out of stuff. Yeah, Logan, the uh, the point you made about Ole Miss's pace uh, is is a good thing to focus on as well because I think – I didn't see the exact quote, but I did see an article implying that Nick Saban made some comments yes. maybe hinting that Ole Miss may have been stealing defensive signals, and Lane responded, that, responded to that by saying we play – basically we play too fast for that to be of any advantage to us. Um, oh, I, true. I like that. I like so, that zest. Though. Yeah, I I love I love some spice. The uh, I I was honestly glued to the TV for the post game handshake because I was very interested to <laughs> see was, how that extended. would go. It seemed to kind of like chum it up a little bit as they were yeah, walking off. The it was. Field. It seemed very amicable, very cordial. Maybe a good you know a little bit of a ribbing going back and forth. Uh, Lane apparently said that he told Saban, hey, man, I thought we were supposed to play defense in the SEC or something like that. Um, so Lane was Lane. Uh, Ole Miss fans seemed to be thrilled because, again, they weren't expecting I th- yeah. to win that game. I think they were th- like close to three touchdown underdogs. Um, so they're just happy to kind of like what oh, they, about they Auburn doing, throw, throw wrenches in, in the machine 
and laugh maniacally while doing it. Uh, so it was very entertaining. Five stars. Yeah, definitely. If you get a chance to see some uh, some well played offensive football, um, there was one there was one clip or gif or something of of Nick doing his um, like just the standard Nick Saban rage where he's like just the, the the hands are going like really authoritatively. And someone quote tweeted it and said like only Ole Miss can ever make Saban this angry. And I love that. <laughs> yeah, no, but they look they look good um, and. It's interesting to see Ole Miss sort of uh, their version of like looking good, and then we were, we were sort of riding high with Mississippi State two weeks ago, and now <laughs> Mississippi State's looking a little uh, eh, look like they're leaking leaking a little bit of oil here, and the coach is talking about thinning the herd and you know things like that, which is always always good always good stuff. We're getting the full Mike Leach experience here in yeah. the three weeks of yeah. uh, football, so this is a lot of fun. Let's move though to Arkansas Auburn. Jason was passionately tweeting about this one last night. This was a tough one. I uh, was really, again, I continue to be happy for Felipe Franks' success. Uh, he had a good game. Mm-hmm. Um, he good. Really, really good game. He looks like quarterback. He, he looks good. Um, and I got to say, like, in general, shout out to Coach Sam Pittman, who I, if I gave you guys a dollar to name Arkansas's head coach, would you have been able to before Not last night? Not yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I remember him because he's he's the quirky fellow they hired. He's I, quirky, but would you have been able to pull his name up? Is is more more of the point? But uh, he, yeah, um, I can pull his name, but I wouldn't be able to pick him out of a lineup. Yeah, that's for sure. If he kissed you on the mouth, you wouldn't know that that was Sam Pittman. No, um, he I have questions also. <laughs> former Georgia offensive line coach and. I think uh, I don't want to say ace recruiter, but uh, I think he was important to their he recruiting efforts. Yeah, definitely, um, he uh, has appeared to have grabbed the attention of Razorback Nation. And I mean, they're playing like a competent football team. They actually look like they have a plan on offense. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, he's doing. I think the things that a, a guy who's a career offensive line coach uh, probably should do at the head coach position, which is maybe get out of the way of some of the play calling decisions. And um, you know, I think. Everything you hear about him is everyone loves Sam Pittman. He's a he's a rah rah guy. He's an impassioned leader of men. Yada yada yada. And you know if you can play that to your advantage, which it seems like he's doing, I think he's also like a, I think he's an Arkansas guy too. So I think he's really excited to be there, which is which is good for Arkansas. But yeah, um, big. yeah they um they look they look good. So they, this game they did they did not win this game. Um, there was some dubious. Uh, yeah. uh, penalty situations towards the end. Um, you know, it all comes down to it. Arkansas is up by one. Auburn misses a field goal with like 240 left in the game. And yep. uh, Arkansas, I guess, is probably needs to get a first down to win the game. Doesn't do that, I'm guessing. Is unable to get the first down, which, yep. you know. Uh, sorry, King Felipe. We could have used, used a little play there. Would have been nice. Um, and... I guess so Auburn gets the ball back and is kind of squirting down the field a little bit, trying to get into field goal range. And there is a, a botched spike play in which the quarterback fumbles the snap and then spikes the ball, which I A, you're not supposed to do. And it appeared on the video that he actually spiked the ball backwards, yep. which would have just been he very much did in theory. <laughs> um, that I think what screwed up everything was the fact they kind of blew it dead and there wasn't like an immediate clear recovery because the Auburn guy was sort of running over to pick up the ball and then didn't. And then the Arkansas guy was like crawling to the ball and got it. And they both kind of got it. It was, it was kind of weird, at least from what I saw on the TV. But um, 
what what was the fallout there though? Because they they just showed that play, uh, and then they showed Pittman mad, and then they showed the field goal. When I was watching yeah. the condensed, they didn't I mean, really that, show that was like basically it. There was there was a lot of confusion, and um, yeah, basically he was trying to spike it and fumbled the snap. And if you fumble right. the snap, you're it, you're not allowed to spike it. Um, yes, and which is a weird rule. It is a little bit of a weird rule. I think uh, it's okay, like. I mean, yeah, I think it's like an arbitrary thing because, like, technically, when you think about it, a spike in and of itself is intentional grounding, like every time. So, sure. I think it's just like a very like, okay, you can have this, but you gotta do it clean, which I get. Um, and so he fumbled the snap, and then like turned behind him, kind of like three quarters turned to protect the ball or whatever out of instinct, like pulled right. the ball out and spiked it very much behind him. And um, so there was a lot of discussion over. Well, is he even allowed to spike it? And like, no, he's not. But but Pittman said the whole time, like you could see Pittman's, you could read his lips, and he was saying, like, no, he he threw it behind him. That is a fumble. Like you have to spike the ball in front of you. And uh Which is correct. Which is which is hundred percent correct. And yeah, basically they they just moved on and let Auburn kick the field goal, and they kicked the field goal and walked it off for the win. Yeah. Um and then came out with a statement, I guess was it late last night or was it this morning? Late last night. I think it was late last night saying basically um, – Right. It, it well, was, I, it was, I do want to point out before we talk about what the statement okay. said, genius move to release the statement right during the middle oh, yeah. of the Alabama <laughs> Ole Miss group. <laughs> yeah. This is not the SEC communications office's first rodeo. Right. This is not the first or last statement they're going to have to release on a Saturday night. That was uh, a smart move. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah um, – the statement basically like copped out of saying whether the refs screwed up. All the statement did was address whether it was a reviewable play. And they basically said, no, the refs couldn't go back and change it because nobody, there wasn't a clear recovery. So they were blameless and moved on. And so yeah, it was the kind of statement that they have to make, but also the kind of statement that makes nobody happy. So, yeah. And, and, and spoiled a fun game. Cause like overall that was yeah. a pretty classic back and forth game. Oh, so fun. Nix looked uh, – I mean, Bo Nix is, is, you know, he's one of those quarterbacks that's going to keep both teams in the game, you know, and, and that's all you Nix, that's who he is. really ask for. He's a, he's a, he's a rich man's Lindell Stone. You know? <laughs> well, um, let, let's be careful heaping that much praise on him. <laughs> I, I, one thing I find curious is he, he seems way more comfortable throwing it while he's moving. Like, yeah. I think he's very uncomfortable throwing it from a set base with his feet which is maybe a little concerning um, i would say yes they, they are in still the early stages of an a uh, bit of an offensive renaissance there with uh um old chad morris complex sure they're trying to recover from losing rhett lashley you, you got to deal with some stuff but they lost Rhett lashley like seven years ago this I, is the, this is the don't most let ridiculous. facts get in the way of my my rhett lashley thing. i love but uh, yeah, Red Lashley also great great game last night. We'll get to really, really on it. Uh, all right, so anyhow, fun game in the SEC. These, I'm gonna be honest, this SEC schedule this year, like, okay, we can all agree COVID sucks. It's a terrible thing. They're clearly selling out uh, the bodies of these kids for you know for game. But ten straight weeks of SEC football, tremendous. It is, yeah, yeah. Don't don't get me started. Yeah. Uh, is is tremendous, and it's you got a lot of fun games every week. You're getting some weird SEC matchups too. You don't normally see, or Texas A&M being one of them. 
that was that's been kind of fun. So um, I think we're getting a little bit spoiled with this season, uh, just from an SEC football back to back to back situation. the The play has been different, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, and then finally, we'll move to Missouri, where LSU came to town, and a, another track meet broke out. Um, this game started with a flea flicker bomb into double coverage uh, that somehow both the LSU like DBs misplayed and then cut each other out of the play on, and the wide receiver just walked into the end zone and ended with LSU trying to force the ball to Terrence Marshall on fourth and goal from the one-yard line to needing a touchdown to win the game and throwing an incomplete pass uh, and losing the football game. We almost had a weird situation at the end, too, in which, like, Missouri was unable to they, – they had to, like, sneak the ball forward because they couldn't just down the ball in the conventional sense. They had to, like, try to actually gain yardage so they didn't down the ball in the end zone and give up a safety. They still would have been in the lead. But, uh, yeah, um, yeah, kind of watch this one happen. This was just – this was just wide open. LSU does not look – LSU and Florida are going to play next week, and it is going to be wild to see whose defense, like, bites them in the ass the most. I, I think Florida will be fine. I don't I don't think you need to worry too much about Florida. Interesting. All right, did you we'll, get... we'll save that for midweek episode. Yeah, well, I mean, we can we we'll get to Florida in in their in their week that they had. But LSU Missouri, this was a fun game. If you want to watch the highlights or the condensed game, a lot of uh, a lot of bombs. Terrence Marshall looked really good. Miles Brennan looked fine. Um, they certainly scored a lot of points. Just not a whole lot of defense to be found on either side of the ball here and uh missouri won the shootout they sure did i didn't catch a wink of this uh probably probably healthier decision on my part but <laughs> shout yeah. out to bo pelini getting getting paid still yes, he does so that's what he does i saw where's your called the defensive performance embarrassing yeah. in the post conference afterwards so things are definitely warming up between the two of them mm-hmm. uh which is good and I whenever I see a game played at Missouri, it just looks something seems weird. Their stadium is it's high schooly. Yes, and I didn't want to say that as like a disparaging thing, but it's it's very high schooly. They no, have it's like, like Texas high school. Yes, like yes, big time yeah. Texas high school football. Forty thousand foot, like two sided, you know, forty thousand seat two sided stadium. Yeah, and then just like the most brilliant fake turf, like field turf situation going on. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it looks it looks fine. It's just uh, curious. Like you have some of these like cathedrals to football in the SEC. Yeah, you have exactly. Third. That's that's <laughs> also going against it. Is you're flipping from like Florida Texas A and M to the Missouri game. And you're just like, holy <laughs> cow! Like, is am I watching the Army All American game right now? Like, this is staggering. Where are they playing this? What what Disney wide world of sports situation <laughs> are they playing this at? So anyhow. That's interesting. Jason, you got any, any LSU takes you need to get off your chest? They're going to take yep. their lumps this year. They, Yeah. They lost like an entire two deep. Like, what are you going to do? Like, yeah. They returned five starters. I mean, that, yeah. that cannot be stressed more. And, you know. Yeah. They're going to go like seven and three or something like that. And it's, they're going to win ugly when they do. And it's fine. They can coast on last year for like six, seven years, probably. Oh, well, yeah. You say that, but, you know, uh, Old Gene Chizik got run out of Auburn like 18 months post national championship, but it's Auburn, you know. Again, right? A little, a little weird, a little weird. <clears throat> okay, 
Let's move into some picks. Jordan, how did the boys do this week? I have a report from DJ Colin Smith. He did not have a good week. Well, DJ Colin Smith likely faded us then because the boys did did fairly well. Boys are back in town. Logan, you and I went three and two, and Jason went four and one. Boy, Cracky. Um, so everybody good made money look. if we allocated our units appropriately. Um, overall in the season, we've got Jason in the lead at 12, six and two, and Logan, you and I are at 10, eight and two. So still above above the water line should be in the black. Um, feels good because I you know I feel like we we did not do as much collectively. I know I certainly did not, but collectively I think it's fair to say we did not do as much uh, preseason off season prep on these right. schools and these schedules. And uh, you know maybe we're getting lucky. Maybe we're just that good. Who's to say? Could be real quick. I'll read them off. Colin had Florida, Virginia Tech, Texas, Georgia, and Miami. I think he went one and four. On that the sounds like one and four. Yes, one and four. But hey, welcome to the big show, baby. That it, it, you know, it'd be like that sometimes. That's how the game is. Gotta, the game. Gotta the game keep is the game. Let's get to the games. Uh, first up, let's talk Florida at Texas A and M. Texas A and M forty-one, Florida thirty-eight is your final score. Texas A and M walks it off with a field goal. Um, yeah, uh, I kind of thought Florida's defensive. I'll, I'll just jump in here and get it going. I, I kinda, why, don't, why don't you take this one, Logan? I thought uh, Florida's defensive performance against South Carolina was a little bit unfairly criticized. Their yards per play they were giving up was actually like pretty reasonable and um, actually like good. And they just they gave up a lot of third down conversions. They gave up a lot of third and shorts, and uh, you know they didn't give up all of the points in that game. But uh, it would appear that all the issues that you've seen with Florida's defense this year, side note, they only gave up 35 points to Ole Miss in game one, which at this point looks like an accomplishment. Uh, but they uh, continue to display what one might say is a lack of toughness when it comes to tackling. They continue to get gashed at the running game. They are not doing the Todd Grantham defense thing where they're getting like immediate overwhelming pressure on the quarterback and forcing bad throws and the defensive backs to be honest with you are getting picked on uh marco wilson in particular and you know marco wilson's been a great gator he's battled back from a uh acl tear two years ago and had he had a tough season last year and played out of position at the star a little bit to try to do uh, what he needed to do and you know he's got nfl talent but i don't want to accuse a player who is out on that field of not playing hard but he appears to not be playing hard. So that's, that's you know, I don't know what to say. You don't get cooked as often as he gets cooked. <laughs> so there's yeah, some issues. If he, if he wants to come on the show and defend himself, <laughs> he's he's welcome to. You can Listen, uh, send it, DMs to at the wheel route. Correct. It would appear the only player in the secondary who's willing to make a tackle is, uh, is, is the safety number six, whose name is eluding me, Sean Davis. Who yeah, does he, not? He care. throws some shoulders he, around. He, he, <laughs> he, I mean, he got he and also he was out. He got a targeting call and was kicked out of the first game of the year in drive number one because of these things. Um, <laughs> it looks good. You know, you get flashes from um, Brenton Cox on the edge, but yeah, Florida just looks. They look a little soft up front. They're not getting a whole lot of push up front, and it would appear that the defense is hesitant to 
bring extra pressure, I think, because they don't trust the DBs in coverage. But, you know, they're kind of in a catch-22 because then if they get no pressure, they get picked apart down the field. So this is an interesting Florida defensive performance. I got no bad things to say about the offense. It is a, a terrible – I feel so bad for Malik Davis that he fumbled. He, the kid has had fumbling issues throughout his career. It's been the reason that he didn't play at various points. Um, he's another guy that actually tore his ACL and was out for a year. Um, and he has had some fumbling issues throughout his career, like I said. And he fumbled. Florida had the ball 38-38 with four minutes to go, was driving – likely to win the game. Um, they have a kicker that has pretty much unlimited range and they were probably going to score a touchdown given how things were going. Yep. But uh, they, he fumbles and Texas A&M gets to do exactly what Florida was going to do. It gets to walk down the field and kick a field goal to win the game. So, you know, the game was close. Obviously you give up 41 points. You shouldn't expect to win. Um, Florida's offense. I will say too, seems to slow down a little bit in the third quarter. I don't know if there's maybe some defensive adjustments that, sneak up on them or anything, but it would appear that in all the games this year, Florida's had a chance to blow it up, blow the games open um, and hasn't done that. So that's now that's also, if your defense shows up at all, you don't need to blow the game open. Yeah. However, so if you're <laughs> question, question there, do you think, or how much, if at all, do you think some of that may be a like protect our defense mentality? Oh, I think it, it could be there. They want to maybe try to come out and run the football a little bit more in the third quarter and, you know, control some clock and yeah. protect the defense from being on the field. But it would appear at this point that you need to score points more than you need your defense to play well. Right. <laughs> Which, because, like, you're, you're more certain of scoring points than you are of actually getting off the field. I think Texas A&M punted once, maybe twice. Um, they did have a turnover. Uh, Florida forced one. Florida has not forced a lot of turnovers this year. They're typically a team that feasts off of you know, some batted balls, some quarterback fumbles, you know, some stuff like that. But, um, yeah, anyhow, I mean, I again, I will say this is this is the team that Florida's going to have. It, the The fact that the def- defense hasn't appeared to change approach or improved at all is very concerning to me. Um, I would posit that Todd Grantham is squarely in the crosshairs of the uh, – you know, maybe it's maybe this would be a good time for him to move on and do something else after this season. Um, I also would like to remind everyone that I'm on record of saying that this the Todd Grantham era at Florida is not going to end well. So maybe this is how it doesn't end. But um, yeah, I, I just I was kind of on board with the guy. I thought I kind of liked his approach. I liked his aggressiveness, and it's been strange this year to see the defense appear to be so soft and lack that kind of. Um, aggression, even with some pretty talented pieces at all three levels. So anyhow, that's what I got. What did you guys take away from this game? Kyle Pitts continues to be the baddest dude in college football for my money also. Side note. Yeah, I mean, he, he's a monster. We can all discuss that. Um, yeah, I mean, I you you nailed it. It was just it, – it felt like there was never a time when I was like, oh, yeah, Florida's going to make a stand here. Like, it just never no. – there was never that impression. Um, they, they got gashed in the run game and the pass game. Right. It was. There was never yeah, like Spiller kid went off. Yeah. The running back. He was like one one seventy eight and two touchdowns. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, Seventy four, but yeah, yeah, and he was running uh, physically, like he was bouncing off people. Um, yep. So, um, yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's that simple. Like the defense has to improve. You can't. 
you cannot give up 41 points and expect to beat a decent SEC team. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think there's that. My commentary has nothing to do with the game, um, but I can knock that out real quick, which Here is um, that Texas A&M should be ashamed of what it did stadium-wise. Um, they publicly said that they were going to be at 25%, and the entire top level was packed to the brim. Um yeah, they announced the attendance of 27,000 yeah. because I think they can fit like 108 in that stadium or something like that. But right. so they, they announced no 24%. There's, no chance. There's yeah. no chance there was less than 25,000 people in that stadium. Um, and how everything, everybody's going to get around this, and I'll, I'll spill the secrets here, but um, ordinarily you count attendance with everybody in the stadium. Like all the players count as attendance, all the game staff – Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Plus, you don't have you don't um, like if a season ticket is purchased, they're in the stadium. They don't have to come to the game. As soon as the ticket is purchased, they count as the attendance. Um, so what everybody's going to get around it this year by doing is they're not going to count all the season tickets. It's just going to be butts and seats. And right. the NCAA has ruled, uh, or actually, sorry, I think it's most state legislatures uh, have ruled that. Um, like the, the limits on the limits, like for instance, Virginia has a 1000 person limit on events right now. Mm-hmm. Um, they have ruled that that game ops people don't count as that. So like none of the players kind of gets attendance. None of the staff counts as attendance. It's just fans and seats. Sure. And so you get around it by doing that. You get fudgy with your student numbers, which they very obviously did. Like that was just a blatant lie. Um, yeah. And, well, and they had like they had whatever their equivalent of cadets are, which I'm sure you yeah. you got to respect the troops. So well, uh, well, marching marching band and any spirit squads don't count against your attendance. So that I mean that's easy. Like I'm sure Virginia Tech does that. They can, they don't count their core. They count their core as like spirit groups, and so I'm sure that's what they did. And so there's a decent chance that you do all that crappy math. They got down to the number they wanted, but what they had was thousands of people shoulder to shoulder with no masks screaming as loud as they could in the middle of a global pandemic. Uh, and that's, uh, I think it's really gross and really, uh, it's the reason that America's response has been, it's not the reason it's a symptom of why America's response has been so terrible. Just a general don't give about people. Um, and it's just, it's only going to get worse because the first thing Dan Mullen did at his press conference was say, okay, we're having full stadium in the swamp next week. And that's right. Which honestly, credit credit to Scott Strickland who immediately came out and said, uh, we still have our policies. We'll we'll talk about that later. And so he pumped the brakes and I'll give him credit for that, but it's, it's going to get super gross. And, you know, also if you, it got super swept under the rug, Colorado state a few months ago, got caught basically lying about COVID stuff and all this stuff. And if you don't think that's happening everywhere, you're crazy. And, Adazio, Adazio, and them boys. It's, yeah, super, no. it's all very frustrating, and and seeing that was just super depressing because really? many of us have been trying to limit stuff, and most of the country doesn't give it, and it annoys me. We've seen at Florida State uh, a rough a rough scene in the crowd. Georgia last week was mm-hmm. quite was yep. quite packed. Um, Texas A and M quite packed. Tex- Texas appeared like they maybe had some folks um, in there, and like I don't want to get into playing. Uh, COVID police because like I personally hate doing th- I hate doing that but like that stadium was packed and like to the point where and I'm not I am not defending what Dan Mullen said because I think he's going to come out and walk it back at his press conference tomorrow for sure but I think that 
he was that frustrated after that game because he actually thought that the crowd was a factor in the game. And yeah. to be honest with you, there shouldn't be a crowd at the game. Right. Now, you play in a away game at Texas A&M, you're, that's Texas A&M, man. That's what they do. They're the 12th man. Like, you know, they do they do all this, uh, you know, crowd stuff. And it, it clearly had an impact on the game. He's frustrated and boiling over. But then, you know, that causes it or that spurs a, a bad, unthought-out take yep. that – and then that then turns into like a soundbite that gets pumped all over that is going to probably motivate people one way or the other to either be like, you know, yeah, hell yeah, we need to do that. It's all about freedom or or they're going to be like, you know, this guy's this guy's a kook, which honestly, he sounds more like at this point. So, yeah, it's 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 tough to see. It was it was just weird to see. And I, like yeah. I said, I don't want to get into playing COVID police because I don't know who all is sitting together and who's not. And I use sure. you you know, they, my opinion is if they don't want to invite this kind of commentary, they shouldn't show crowd shots. Yep. Like and it was, it was awkward because the announcers very openly refused to address it. Sure. Like, yes. That's, and that, that's a big thing too. And, yeah, and they, like, glam- sure they glamorized they it. Like, yeah, they, they were, they were not like, oh, so good anything to, the to the effect of like, yeah. Oh boy. Like we'd really like to see more masks being worn or, this is kind of troubling during a pandemic. It's man, what an effect. And like, they're wired to do this. Uh, but it's just kind of like the, the, a symptom of the one, one way street, a football brain is and a football commentator brain can be of like, wow, the cloud the crowd's really loud today. How about, how about that? Um, and Logan, yeah, like, like you said, I think Mullen, he has every right to be upset about yeah. Texas A&M's crowd, but and the way his team played—I mean, he was upset yeah. in general. But the, yeah, it all the really it all disappointing played. part of it was that it was it, or it seemed, and this just may be like we got the soundbite we did, and that's what got traction. But it didn't seem like the response was, you know, we made a lot of mistakes and we have a lot of stuff to clean up. It's well, they, their crowd. And again, valid reason to be upset, but taking it the step further was really disappointing to say, well, they got to do this, so we need to because our governor, our governor, our governor. Right. I I agree with you there. It's all just super gross, and it all comes from people not wanting to be held accountable, and and it's – it it was a great college football Saturday, and that soured it a little bit. Not a ton, but, like, it was just – it was really frustrating. And- well, yeah, and Jason, like you said, I think it's exceptionally frustrating for people, and not not to get like super self righteous or anything, but yeah. for people who have spent the last six seven months making sacrifices to their social activities and doing the best they can to adhere to guidelines and stuff, to just see on national TV this uh, blatant kind of disregard for what we understand to be the correct behaviors and practices uh, from other people because they they want to have a fun Saturday. Yeah, and, and that's where it's it's probably, yeah, I, I, I kind of came after Mullen there, and he's very much not the problem. He he said a dumb thing, and we've all said dumb things, especially right after you leave. You should be held responsible for the dumb things you say. I'm, yeah, and, sure. but I, like you said, I think the, the bigger conversation here is more the fact that now yeah. it becomes, like Jordan said, uh, he gets to take out his frustrations uh, with how his team played and and like how he was affected probably by 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 crowd noise and stuff like that. To be like, well, yeah, you know, well, we our governor said it was okay too. So we should do it. I want to see it back. 
it's just a it's a super sore spot for me. Like like I'm you know okay I'll, I'll dump some stuff out. Like I my my parents both have various immunocompromised stuff going on in their lives health wise. So I have been as careful as I can reasonably be. Like I've I've gone to a restaurant and sat outside. Like I've done that stuff. But I've done I've been careful with a lot of stuff, and it's right. it's super frustrating and. You know, it, it puts you in a really bad place mentally. And I've been in a bad place mentally for a few months now um, of like seeing this sort of thing and just sure. blatant disregard because like, well, no, that if I did that, I wouldn't get to have fun. Like, well, yeah. and like, listen, I mean, the, the big takeaway here is and we, we need to move off this yes, is sir. that uh, wearing a mask is the absolute bare minimum. So yep. like it would just be nice if people would do the absolute bare minimum because you guess what? Still get to go outside. Yeah. You still get to go to the football game. You still get to go fishing. You still get to go play golf. You know, the, the bare minimum is to wear a mask when you're going to be in a group of people and yeah. you know, you, and maybe not going to dinner quite as often as you used to. Yeah, it's so, really not asking that much. And yeah. so, if that right. crowd of 50,000 would have been almost entirely masked, I wouldn't be 10% as angry as I am right now. Right. It would have been bad, but it would have been, you know, at least they're kind of trying. Exactly. Okay. So, All right. Yeah. We will get that regardless. A disappointing uh, uh, Florida performance. Um, I, in my older age, am getting a little less gloom and doom about some of these losses, which is nice for me personally. Um, there was a time not in the quite so distant past where this would have hung over me for weeks and I would have been kicking myself about the my team's performance that I totally had something to do with. All is not lost for Florida, okay? They have LSU next week. They, they have a very manageable schedule. That's been the big selling point for Florida's chances this whole year. Everything is going to come down to the Georgia game yet again. So put your big boy shoes on, go to work, and play Georgia. But if that defense shows up to play Georgia, they are going to give up a zillion rushing yards to Georgia, and they're going to lose because Georgia's going to be able to stop the offense more often than Florida's going to be able to stop Georgia. So, you know, sure. the defense has to get better. I don't know how they do it. I, they, need, they, they need to be more organized. They need to be tougher. They need to play harder, all the stupid things that you say. Um schematic changes should happen i don't know i would like to see more press man on the edges i would like to see more obvious book packages let's go you know send the house four four mad dogs let's get after yeah. it engage eight todd uh, you know what yeah todd like i mean at this point it's not going to look any worse than it was so you might as well go down swinging instead of going down with this like just getting shredded by south carolina's quarterback who God knows Colin Hill, he's a, you know, from a transfer from Colorado state. And then, you know, Kellen Mond who has a history of bad decision-making and you'd make him look like a Heisman contender. So, yeah. All right, let's move on. Virginia Polytechnical and state university was at North Carolina. This, this another, another on brand game for this weekend. This was fun. Uh, guys, Sam Howell has the look. He's got Dude, the he, he can spin it, man. He, he had a couple of balls he dropped in that were pretty nice. He might be your 2021 um, Todd McShay wonder boy that, oh, yeah. is, that like, is going to go to the Giants and just have a horrific career, and it's well, going to be really good. And the weird, the weird thing was, like, I only caught a couple snippets of this game because I was pretty much set on misery on the ACC network at, at this time slot, but um, – the announcers mentioned several times how much Howell has been struggling so far this season. Um, 
and maybe he has. I haven't watched a whole lot of Carolina football, probably for good reason and self-preservation purposes. But, um, yeah, he, he looked great. They ran the ball so stinking well, though, too. Like, Dude, they... 399 rushing yards. Uh, apparently, they have the best backfield in the country, according to the, <laughs> the college football wrap-up shows. Um, I think, like... I think if you're a, a good, I mean, this kind of like played out the way we th- thought it would when we talked about the picks is Virginia Tech, their personnel issues for COVID purposes and maybe other various reasons like that impacts the defense and UNC has a competent enough offensive squad and uh, plan of attack that they can really take advantage of it, which they did. Uh, but Virginia Tech put up a pile of points. Like, this was the highest scoring game in ACC history between two teams ranked in the AP poll. Um, so, yeah, a lot of fireworks. Hope you bet the uh, over, uh, listeners, mm-hmm. readers. Um, good good for Carolina. They are now ranked number five, I believe. That sounds right, yeah. Mac yeah, Brown I, I, doing I, Mac Brown things. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I yeah. mean, go ahead, Jason. Yeah, this this kind of played out like I thought. Um, I didn't. I knew everybody talked to like, yeah, UNC can pass it, but their run game's really good, and uh, they were right because, um, like, Sam Howe did did enough. Like he he showed. He showed out when he needed to. Like that first touchdown pass that he had, um, I think that made it fourteen nothing. Was like dropped on the back line of the end zone. Like it was a perfect ball. Um, but for all the talk of you know, okay, now Virginia Tech's got the lines. They got the they got mean guys in the lines and all that stuff. Like UNC shamed them all day. Like the two the two UNC running backs are really really good, and also. They had a full head of steam going into the second level every single running play. Um, those holes were massive, and the the UNC receivers were bodying the secondary down the field, and like it just it didn't feel like it felt like every every UNC rushing play started at the line of scrimmage at full speed. Like they just they blew Virginia Tech off the ball for sixty straight minutes, um, and that's not like much that, pale defense, Jason. Yeah, and like. They, I think most of the personnel problems for Virginia Tech have been in the secondary, and that wasn't a secondary problem. Like that was just, you know, the the vaunted D line just getting eaten alive. And you know, maybe you should have kept Charlie Wiles. I don't know. I'm just saying. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I that that's a bigger problem for me for Virginia Tech. Like they they hung a lot on. Oh yeah, now we got the we got the big mean guys we've always wanted, and we're ready to go and. That was real, all well and good against NC State and Duke, but uh, it's not going to hold up to UNC. It's not going to hold up to Clemson. It's not going to hold up to Miami. It's probably not going to hold up to UVA. Like, well, it might. <laughs> get, yeah, that UVA game could get a little. Uh, I mean, they're going to be playing. They're going to be playing track beat style games though, with teams that are plus on offense, and all those teams yeah. are a little bit plus on offense. So I mean, yes, yeah. and so and you know, I I think the quarterback situation is a problem. Um, they they kind of did a rotation between Braxton Burmeister and Hernan Hooker or Hinden Hooker, and uh, it didn't. It looked okay, like it was fine, 
Uh, they, they didn't win this game because of their quarterback play. Like the only, they weren't even in this game except for like a 21 point outburst in the last five minutes of the third quarter. Cause they had a, they had a touchdown, recovered an onside kick, had a huge run, got a three and out and scored. And so it was a 21 point swing real quick. And none of that was because of their quarterbacks. Um, Why can't they just do that all the time, bro? Right. And like UNC, UNC pounded them early because I don't think Braxton Burmeister can push the ball downfield at all. Um, like he, sure he gives you something in the run game, but they they weren't blow, they weren't moving UNC the the front seven off the ball, and they weren't getting laterally fast enough to do anything. So, you know, UNC was putting you know ten people within ten yards of the line of scrimmage, and, and Burmeister couldn't move the ball downfield. And yeah. the only touchdown they had early uh, came all, there was just a blatant hold in the backfield um, to give Burmeister some time to like loft a duck to the tight end and i don't know i think tech's got problems i'm not gonna lie to you um it, it wouldn't let's hope so it wouldn't shock me if they, <laughs> yeah. you know i think they i don't know how many games they have left they're two and one right now they have one two three four five seven. six seven eight games left um I, I could see them going five and three the rest of the way pretty easily yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see if slash when they get the roster back to truly ninety five hundred percent available. Maybe, but again, the the holes that they were missing today wasn't the problem or on Saturday, right? But I think uh, again, like you're you're gonna make adjustments scheme wise throughout a season. You're gonna get guys like get more so, familiar with your personnel yeah. and figure out who to yeah. use when. Um, so yeah, I I I'm very interested to see how it plays out for them. How long Burmeister stays in the equation? Because I don't know that he adds any tremendous value over what Hooker brings to the table. Um, no. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. And, and the the rotation itself was weird, and that has nothing to do with either of the two guys. Like Fuente's losing control, brother. It was it was very weird, like. But like Tech did nothing on their first three drives, and I think they scored on their first or their fourth drive. And Burmeister ran all four of the first drives, and then they went with Hooker on the fifth drive, and it seemed very weird and arbitrary. I'm burping a lot, sorry. And like I didn't, uh, <laughs> and it, it just none, of, no part of it made sense. And they had seven minutes of glory after halftime, and other than that, it was yeah, uh, it was a mauling. It was it was bad. But Sam Howell throws a pretty deep ball. That's Sam, sure. have, Sam Howell throws a very nice deep ball. He can bring it. He can like throw like the the, the very steep parabola yeah. where the point the point turns over and drops yeah. in. Yeah, you bring it into the bucket. Uh, um, really the back of the end zone. Also, what is North Carolina doing with these end zones? These the edges of their end zones. It's impossible to tell where the line is because it's like it's not actually a line. It just it goes from like light blue to argyle sock print. Like that's those are the two those are the <laughs> that's the line. They have, so. they, have, they, have the, they have the argyle running in in the white all the way around the outer, and so like it kind of like melds in, and it's very weird. Yeah, it looked weird. That one touchdown that was like guy toe tap right at the back yeah. middle of the end zone was a great catch, but I like immediately was like, there's no way he was yeah. in. But then you like look back, you're like, wait, did, was he in by like a mile? <laughs> like, did he take like four steps? But I think the edge was was different. Anyhow. Minor minor detail. How do we feel about North Carolina's dark blue jerseys? 
I don't. I'm gonna say I don't really love it. I don't mind them. I never um, them. I like that they keep it to football and baseball uses that color too. I believe. I think they look good in those sports, but it would look pretty not great if their basketball team ran like that scheme. Full, full kit, if you yeah. will. So I think it's fine as an alternate. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's fine. I just, you know, I, I think these Like, school... I'd rather see them wear that than a black uniform. Okay. All right. That That's I, I could be on board for yeah, that. That's their version of a dark. Uh, yeah, I like that. They're, um, I'm going to say that I would have, if they're going to do that, then they should have worn dark blue pants. How about that? Hmm. I, I mean, I think it looks fine. I really try to talk you guys into this. It's fine. North Carolina has an iconic light blue, and sometimes schools get a little funky going away from things they that are. They think it for sure. That's yeah, fair. I just didn't think it looked that great. So, all right, let's move on. Tennessee at Georgia. Just kidding. Let's go to Oklahoma. Let's oh, go to boy. Dallas. The let's Red not say we did. Was sweaty butt for all of us that had Oklahoma minus six, two, what, three and a half. Oh, it was only two. Oh, I thought it was three and a half, so I thought we needed a touchdown in overtime. I was dying. <laughs> I'm an idiot. I just stressed myself out for no reason. That was good. Um, <laughs> yeah, always always check the sheet before these I games. Prior to down this game, is is Gus Johnson like Sam Howell's uncle? Sam Ellinger. Sam Ellinger. Sam Ellinger, sorry. Maybe. Because the way, the way that he talks about Sam Ellinger – during the game, and Gus Johnson is a delight. All right, I I am here for the Gus Johnson experience. It's really weird to watch the the game sped up when he's on the play because every single play is just like, a, oh Sam, you know, because you're, you're only seeing like the plays that happen. You're yeah, getting the you're not getting the in between like interludes where the other guy gets a chance to talk. But it would appear that Which he had rare, but... he had he has heavy money on the Sam Howell Heisman Scott Sam Ellinger. Heisman campaign, and um, yeah, I just like it, it was interesting the way that he talked about him. Like he always addressed him as Sam, like mid play, like "Oh, Sam, there he goes!" They just like oh, scream gosh. out four or five adjectives in a row. I, uh, <laughs> like, I was oh, leader of men. I'll, uh, it was it was it did get very eye rolly. Um, I'll slightly defend him here in that I think like the things Gus Johnson loves most about college sports are like upperclassmen that have battled through some stuff, which okay. Sam Ellinger hasn't battled through that much except being on a crabby team. Um, well, and like self-inflicted uh, right. pump-up gassing of his team. Right. And so uh, he, he loves those things. And I think it's a like, I think if he was as familiar with more people, like more players, I think you'd hear that kind of thing way more often. Like, I think you'd hear him, I think you'd hear him call out names way more often, but I, I think he only knows. Okay. All right. That might be true. Like a handful of people like so well that, and it's because they've been around forever. Like he loves those stories. So I'm sure he's consumed everything about Sam Ellinger for the last year and a half. And so he feels like he knows him personally, but like, like he, do, he doesn't do that in college basketball because there's so many people. He doesn't have time to do all that, but he's done, know. he's yeah. done 8 billion big nude Saturday games over the last two years. <laughs> and, true. It's like a half-hearted Texas team is always playing at noon on Saturday. So he's covered <laughs> 12 Sam Ellinger games in the last two years. So True. Good point. So Good point. It, it was very annoying. But I, I'll say I think this was like a one-time, like, 
conglomeration of events. So. Oh yeah, I like I like when he's on the call. I mean, it definitely makes it fun. And these, yeah. you know, it, I'm glad the Big Twelve did a good thing with snagging him, or or Fox right. did a good snagging Big Twelve football because you get a lot of big plays typically and uh, a lot of offensive performance and things of that nature. Yeah. So it fits the brand yeah. very well. The game was uh, a pretty classic Oklahoma-Texas game. Oklahoma got up a little bit, and then we had some freshman mistakes from Mr. Spencer Rattler. Spencer! Oh! And uh, he was he actually yanked from the game, didn't play pretty much most of the second quarter, I think. That sounds uh, right. Reinserted into the game after uh, halftime, seemed to be a little more under control classic and, just like give him an opportunity to watch from a different angle and regather yeah. himself and not like bench him for the whole game like they he probably told him like hey we're gonna sit you down for a little bit how about you take some time like right. check this out listen to the calls and and think about what you listen to some music if you need to yeah, like just, just vibe for a second man. yeah candle burn in the in the uh in the locker room for a 20 minutes. minutes of the call map whatever you gotta do spence <laughs> but yeah he came back in to look better in the second half but yeah i mean we we get down to this game, and uh, Texas marches down the field. A couple minutes left to uh, to force overtime. So we get uh, we get overtime bonus football. Well, bef- okay. So before overtime, what led to overtime? Right. Oklahoma is up two scores. They end up just kind of like going into shell mode. Uh, punt the ball away. Ellinger leads leads Texas to a, a rather quick touchdown. Um, yeah. Oklahoma gets the ball back. They run first down, run second down. Texas is down to one timeout. It's about a third and five, third and six. Uh, 220-ish left. Um, if if you run the ball here, uh, you, you force Texas to take their last timeout. They passed, and it wasn't a terrible throw. Uh, the tight end, I believe he's a tight end. He's like a six, six guy who great catch radius, all those things, uh, maybe a little bit behind him drops the ball. So Texas gets the ball with two twenty back instead of potentially less. And they have a tw- timeout. Uh, so that set the stage for Ellinger being able to march them down. They got a touchdown. They got, uh, the benefit of one or two pass interference calls as well. I do want to say they held on damn near every play <laughs> from down down a score all the way through the overtime periods. It was insane. And, like, yes, Oklahoma's D-line was a little gassed, and that may have played into my perception of it, but there were some blatant holds on some key plays where it's just like, Nope, we're we're the Big Twelve. We don't we don't call that stuff. We sure. like points. That's an interesting observation. I have thought that holding has been down across the board this year at all levels of football. And in terms of being called or it actually occurring? Being, no, in terms of being called. I don't okay. think it's down. I think it's in terms of being called. I think Ryan Russillo actually pointed that out on his podcast as well. He he was, I guess, sort of questioning if there was like some sort of edict from on high that was like let's let's not gunk up the game with mm-hmm. holding penalties as much it, it's it's a shame to see when especially like i mean me personally i watch a lot of florida games and you watch their defensive ends just get like tackled you know as like that's what they do man like this i, I kind of need them not to get held in order to uh you know in, in order to make you know do what they do and and it's a sh- it's a shame to see that um 
but yeah, I'm with you. It seems like I would say a lot of football I've seen this year has been riddled with uncalled holds. Well, yeah, and that's kind of one of the defense's kind of last remaining potential equalizers, given the way uh, illegal contact or holding downfield or whatever is called. Um, yes, I know points are sexy and they're fun, and it's awesome to bet the over and hit that. But uh, at the same time, you you can't let it run wild like it seems to be especially late in that red river game yes but that's just my two cents (laughs) would agree but uh yeah so we get to overtime so we we have overtime number one both teams score touchdowns we go to overtime number two there is a miraculous stop made by the oklahoma defense texas prepared to kick a field goal misses all right so Oklahoma just needs to feel a little to win. They and sure it, get blocked. It got blocked, sorry. Okay. But it didn't either way it didn't go through. It got blocked. Right. Um so, you know, all right, Oklahoma just needs to feel a little to win, but Oklahoma's just picking up play, like picking up yardage. I it, and so they they kind of hit a little play on the flat, get a first down, you know, they're kind of moving. It looks like they're in rhythm and then they just do the all right, quarterback's going to center it up so we can, we can <laughs> so kick on third down. Right where the kicker wants it on second down or third down, they bring the kicker out and he just absolutely shanks it. And I, I don't know. I mean, selfishly, I was thinking I needed to cover three and a half, so I, I needed a touchdown. But I was also like, "You're you're rolling. Like, why don't you just yeah. try to walk it in the end zone and just score the touchdown and win?" I mean, I, I guess there's a lot of ways to think about it, but the way that that kid came out with you know deer in the headlights look and then shanked it into the stands way left i mean it was a 29 yard field goal it wasn't that kicker is super good too yeah he did not miss a field goal or extra point last year that's crazy he only missed like i think he had the longest active field goal streak in the country up until the iowa state game he missed one um and that may have just like really taken him off the rails because he <coughs> he power hooked the like I I've hit driver it, hooks and did not look that bad, right? Yeah, which was tough. So anyhow, we get back to overtime and they I guess exchange scores again. Uh, we get to fourth overtime and uh, Oklahoma scores. Texas throws an interception. Sam threw an interception in the end zone and uh, the game was over at that point. So Oklahoma wins the game. Uh, I mean, these games always are fun. These these Red River games, like it always just is weird. A team jumps out to a big lead. There's a comeback. Uh, there's some sort of like funky just thing that happens. But uh, yeah, I mean, stressful. Certainly yeah. stressful. See, I I was gonna say fun is not the word I would use. Um, <laughs> eventful, perhaps, hey, and chaotic. And, uh, chaotic for sure. Which hey, that's our brand. But I still wanted to to drop this game to the bottom of the ocean it was it was dirt <laughs> it's pretty bad yeah that's fair all right let's move it on so, over. apparently my twitter feed just exploded and Dak prescott had just a horrific ankle injury oh, uh no that, that sucks um especially because i think he this he's still fighting over his contract right. which um is total <laughs> i hate all that so much yeah like it, it was very much like a Twitter injury that all of Twitter is like, do not go watch this, and I will not. Thanks for the heads up, because now yeah. I know what not to look for. I'm saying this evening. So, T's and P's, Dak. I hope he's okay. 
Yeah, it looks pretty bad. I saw it still. It's Oof. definitely broken. Um, well, that sucks. Uh, on a on a similar but uh, more upbeat note, Alex Smith uh, returned for the for the Washington football team today after two years of a horrific leg injury. Not great. Um, not not him. Like the situation. I don't. I didn't love that he got put in the game. Well, no. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I don't. I don't think that uh, really any situation in which you're entering. Uh, to play quarterback for the Washington football team at this point is a good sure. idea, but uh, you know, it, um, heartwarming. Got got the standing out. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm really glad he's back. I hope that his leg is better than the last picture the internet saw. Um, yes, which was horrifying. So, if he's back, he's back, and it's his decision. And I hope he's back. But I don't know. Yeah, we'll dubious. See. All right, let's go, Uncle Gary, the ghost of Uncle Vern, at. 330 uh, between the hedges. Tennessee was at Georgia. Tennessee riding the nation's longest win streak like they always are. The back of their schedule is charm and soft. Uh, and they started this year doing okay. Uh, Jared Garantano and them boys uh, actually had Georgia on the ropes early a little bit. It was 14 to 14. Um, I think for a while... Uh, this game went to halftime. Tennessee had the lead, I believe, it was twenty-one seventeen. Yeah, those they lines. were doing a little woofing. It was, uh, yeah. it was quite something to see. A little woofing, and then Georgia in the second half just absolutely squeezed the life out of Tennessee. Uh, they did the thing where they pulled away from Tennessee by just kicking field goals at first too, which has to be has to be like really the Will Muschamp wet dream of all of all uh, <laughs> of all Georgians, but. They picked off Garantano, I think, Tennessee's first two drives in the second half um, and got field goals out of that, so they took the lead there. And then I saw at least two fumbles that Garantano had in the second half as well. Not great. Georgia's defense is really good. They're very disruptive. They don't really appear to do like um, – I mean, they, they look like one of those Nick Saban, Kirby Smart type defenses. Like, they, they play very solid. They have a lot of talent. So it's not a – like – they don't need to like, bring a ton of exotic pressure. Or do, right. like, it's not a defense that excels because of like these crazy crackpot schemes that somebody yeah. hatched in the back yeah. of a napkin. Like they just they just have monsters everywhere. Like they yeah. just, they got they long just so yeah. fast and so strong that yeah, they're very fast. I'm always impressed with how fast Georgia is. But yeah, they're they got long corners. They get their hands on you, and um, you know made life difficult for Garantano. And I mean Georgia pulled away and just boat raced them. I mean, this yeah. was this was not. This ended up a twenty-seven nothing second half is not helpful. Yeah, yeah, not not ideal. So uh, I don't know. Is there anything much to add? I mean, I don't. He, I I would he, like to bring up. People get excited about Tennessee. I just want to say I told you so. This I, is how it goes. All right. I would also like to bring up uh, a non X's and O's piece, but uh, old Jeremy Pruitt and his neck gator like <laughs> yes usage the, deplo- the deployment of the neck gator was terrible the the cdc w- should use that as a here's <laughs> how to not yes wear any sort of cloth covering um especially when talking to another person like if, if you're just by yeah, yourself he's like talking talking to the refs and the you can see just his face but everything no, else is covered no, by the neck gator yeah like crowding in on the top of his eyes and like he's like crowning mouth. through the neck gator <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's pretty funny uh, I'm not I saw, about that forever thank you, yeah, you, uh, I, you I mean, a funny i'm sure tweet. someone with more medical training than i will 
be sure to correct me that that's not what a crown know, actually is. I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> yeah, pretty good. You um, Jordan shared a, a funny tweet from friend of the podcast, Bud Elliott. Oh yeah, uh, today. To Bud. He said he looks like he's about to flip a. <laughs> he's about to flip it back on the some snook in the mangroves. He looked exactly like the the fly fisher bro. With, oh like, yeah. The, the freaking buff on like on his face all he needed was like a big pair of costa sunglasses and he would have really been completing and some buff sun gloves yeah the gloves that just have the tips out yeah (laughs) Yeah. but um i mean i think tennessee is headed in the right direction in general and that they're they're better they appear to be acquitting themselves better on a day-to-day basis when you watch them play but uh they are not on the same stratosphere as georgia this is this is sort of similar to the miami clemson game um in that these two teams, we are not the same. In the words of Uncle Silk, we are we are not the same. So, <laughs> all right, Miami is at Clemson. This was the nightcap. This was the game day game. Miami was on game day for like the sixth week this year. Somehow they've only played four games, but they've been on game day six times. Uh, they came in fourteen and a half point dogs, and Clemson put a hurting on them. Uh, Clemson's. I was really impressed with Clemson's defense. Yeah. Um, and Clemson's third down offense in particular in this game. But uh, Clemson's defense, like uh, Miami scored their one of their two touchdowns on a blocked kick that was run back at the end of the first half, which was like the, like, oh, Miami's got some momentum heading in. And then that didn't last very long. So uh, any any thoughts, opinions? Uh, yeah, I two, two thoughts. Uh, one, Travis Etienne is – is my Heisman winner just to yeah. shut it down? I, one of my points was going to be Travis Etienne leaking out of the backfield on a third and seven is a cheat code. Yeah, he he should not like people were saying this about Kyle Pitts. Etienne should just opt out at this point. Like, yes, stop, Correct. stop, shut <laughs> it down. Like, don't get hurt, young man. You are he's he's in my mind by far the best player in college football right now. Um, yeah. I think the other and kind of a tangent to that, which is my second point. If Miami watched any of the Virginia film at all from last week, third <laughs> and five plus, Etienne's getting the ball out of the backfield on on either like a swing pass or a screen creatively. They're getting it to nine on third and long, and they did third and fifteen. They converted with Etienne thirteen, third and seventeen maybe converted early on um it's it seems so simple because we we can yell at the tv and say like here's what's coming and i'm sure miami probably knew in some form that that's what was coming and they still couldn't stop it and it's wild to see so hats off to clemson for getting up for uh, a ranked on ranked and uh i mean trevor lawrence like he not to take away from how good he is, but Etienne is does not belong on college football fields right now. No, no, he can. He is his one step and gone is really impressive. Yeah, I, think, uh, I think Spencer Hall quote tweeted yeah. somebody showing it, but it was just like he hit he the forty, shrugged the tackle at the forty-five and hit the forty, and it was. It, it, it looked like, like, like Percy Harvin. Those old yeah. Percy Harvin. Yeah. So you see him just moving away from the DBs. It like somebody like, could accelerate that fast like it's it was very it was like an optical illusion it was very weird yeah yeah he's he's horrifyingly good and yeah i mean the the big the difference maker was a clemson defense like they just completely smothered miami 
Uh, Miami's only offense was Derek King leaking out of the backfield uh, on a broken play or like mm-hmm. too many people covered. And and he he picked up chunks. Uh, he finished oh, yeah. with 84 yards in the ground and a touchdown. Like he looked beat up at the end of that game, though. He yeah, he was shot. exhausted. He's really really good. Like he is one of the few yes. best play, quarterbacks in the country. And he just didn't have any options because he was running for his life half the game. I, I will say I was kind of disappointed to see some of the deep shots they took down the sideline. Like, he underthrew several of those balls consistently. That's fair. Um, and, and to some degree, those those mistakes were magnified because of how good Clemson's <laughs> DBs are. Like, they yes, make you pay for that much more than whoever they've played to this point in the season. There were some crazy yeah. – uh, PBUs or a couple of nice interceptions, but each time they took a shot beyond 20, 25 yards, it felt like he was under throwing his receiver. I do, I do think that's the part of his game. He has to work out. Like he's got, he's really got to push those balls out to let the receivers run under him. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. credit to Clemson's defense, like DBs, they made some plays that like, for sure. Like I don't, they, they made plays look easy that are not easy. Like to yeah. be able to turn, find the ball, dive and knock it away is a horrifying degree of athleticism. Um, but, yeah, he's. I think the weakest part of his game still is the deep ball. He's got to get – those extra three yards make all the difference, and he's got to find those. So, Yeah, for sure. Um, I was impressed uh, just from a play-calling standpoint. Uh, Clemson did a lot of really, like I think, fun and unique pre-snap motion stuff to kind of generate some leverage and uh, opportunities for easy pass places. This is what they do. A big portion of their offense is throwing the ball to running back out of the backfield. But they seemed like they did a lot of like behind the quarterback motion, sort of like North Carolina does a lot of this too. Um, behind the quarterback motion, like jet motion, and uh, just like some you know subtle little shifts and stuff that you could see. Uh, get a guy running in space before the snap, uh, to and then just get him the ball quickly, and he's got a little head of steam going, which has got to put a lot of pressure on your defense. And that's um, you got to identify that early and try to outflank it and. Um, they did a good job there. I thought Lawrence made some really impressive throws down the field as well. Uh, one in particular on a third and nine, he just put, he put a ball over that outside shoulder of receiver, like 40 yards downfield. Just looked, it was a great throw. Great throw. Yeah. So I've also, been like, yeah. Oh, sorry. Also pretty disheartening to see that, uh, Clemson's QB of the future is Cam Newton 2.0. Oh. Uh, he looked that was horrifying he's he's large he's so big and then he threw like the one i forget if he dropped the snapper it was a bad snap or something snap went over his head he just picked it up flicked his wrist 45 yards down he's he's rolling out to his right like on his front foot and just like i gotta put this up and just yeah boop, like 45 yards and uh yeah uh, i was watching with a friend and she was like uh how do you pronounce his last name i was like i don't know we're gonna hear it like six thousand times in the next two years so Um, I think hopefully UVA doesn't have Clemson scheduled for the next three years, maybe the way the rotation works out. I think that's nice. That should be good. Unless they go in Charlotte again. Well, you know, and you got to win the games. That's why they play the games, Jordan. Saying it for years. (laughs) Yeah. Um, All right, cool. Well, yeah, so fun weekend uh, again. So not all, not all doom and gloom for Miami. They are I, appear to be headed in the right direction. Now the next step for Miami will be how do they bounce back from losing a game? They've been a little overhyped, came in a little hot, got their got their um, their stole there, and um, and now they gotta like they gotta play 
as well as they were playing in previous weeks, right? This is the, the next step yeah. for Miami because Miami last year was a team that would come off a bye week and just be flat as a pancake and lose to Georgia Tech. I think they lost both off of both their bye weeks, or I think they actually had three bye weeks last year because they played that weird week zero game with Florida, and they lost every time after a bye. Um, it was clear that maybe the coach wasn't getting through to the players or there was some sort of lack of focus and motivation here. Maybe so. some distractions down in Miami. Out. Sure. How do you deal with um, how do you deal with uh, uh, some adversity here uh, moving forward? Because I don't think all is lost for Miami. I think they're still a good team. They have good they have good skill, good good players. They they're gonna be in the, amongst the top handful of teams in the ACC at this point. I'm, I haven't been overly impressed with like most of the ACC, other than North Carolina looks fun and. Um, Notre Dame's could... still potentially maybe good. I keep forgetting they're in the ACC this there year. They're they're they run the ball. They got some big old big old boys up front. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think I think if they if they come out, I mean, they got they got Pitt at home next week, and that's always exciting. This is Miami you're talking about? Yeah, this is Miami. Okay. And so if they come back and they look like they did against Louisville, they're just they're fine. <laughs> they're they're going to win eight nine games this year and be okay. Uh, right. But yeah, the problem has always been that. Miami goes like rips off five wins to start the year and then loses. And then you look up and they're seven and five at the end of the season. And so um, we'll see. Yep. We will indeed. So anyhow, all right. Fun weekend though. For super sure. fun, super fun day of college football. The the spread of games has been nice. Jordan, I think you're really onto something there with the, uh, it seems like we just have like a dense, we have, we have dense time slots because we don't have West coast games that are like, stretching out um and we also don't have just like terrible northwestern illinois games at like noon that we have to fight through yeah. um past you know i haven't iowa has not been on my screen this year and it's been wonderful so two more weeks just wait <laughs> two, two more weeks baby we can get all the all the bad big 10 west matchups that we've that we've uh, really been missing out on let are they the legends or leaders what are they are they still yeah, doing that that's a good it's a good point sure they want their destinies all right, this is the Wheel Route, guys. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we will be back with some, as we mentioned, a little bit of Bachelorette content. We got a little bit of a uh, little bit of football midweek. The content's coming out fast and fast and furious. All those things. So and we're uh, only uh, we're only about seven weeks away from college basketball season. Oh, oh, oh. That. that's when that. that's when Jason stops. Participating podcast. Yeah, sure. about, about half an hour a week. To you know what that is when we uh, we get a precipitous drop off and correct participation. We'll get Jason call in picks. Yeah, now and again. It's, it's just going to be like where which hotel is Jason quarantining in this week? No, you can you can give us picks from my suite in the First Union Bank Perfect. Trust Community okay. Credit Union Atlantic Center. Union Bank Center, just okay. in case they somehow find this podcast and listen. We'll figure no, it out. AUBC. No, no. All right. Thank you for joining us. It's the Wheel Route. We're at the Wheel Route on Twitter. Wheel Route Podcast at gmail.com is the email address. Thewheelroute.com is where you can go and, and access the show, actually. You can read about read about us. You can see the pics also just to, to fact check us. Uh, but we're killing it this year. We're out here. Ah, ah, ah. Go Gators. Go Who's and Lakers. Go Dukes and LeBron. Go Dukes and LeBron.